The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And it being five minutes after one o'clock, that means we are set to go. John Pincus is answering all your questions today. Look at that phone lines already open. 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is email address, which we will refer to today. Coming up on the show, including your phone calls, big mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights, that and post-employment obligations. You have questions, by the way, as we carry on through the hour about going back to work, temporary layoff, if you still have questions about COVID-19 and how it's affecting your workplace, if you're going back to work soon, hopefully you are. Hopefully we get things moving again in this economy and get back to some normalcy. But uh, if there's any gray area, something got you scratching your head about uh, going back to work. And that applies if you're an employer as well. You're not sure how to handle things with your uh, employees that are coming back. Call. Make that phone call, 416-870-6400. Or like I said, you can drop an email by help at employment lawyer. .ca and also an excellent resource anytime for you. Absolutely free. It's anonymous. It's called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's like having a John Pinkus in your pocket at all times. Tons of information there as well. Like I said, you couldn't pay for it if you wanted to. It's absolutely anonymous, but there is a contact button or there is a way to contact at the top right of the website if you so choose. So we'll uh, we'll get right into her. And uh, I know you got a couple things you want to discuss as we get some calls lined up here. John, what's uh, what's going on this afternoon, pal? Yeah, good to be here talking about employment law today and uh, hope that uh, some people are listening and will uh, think of situations they have or maybe their their friends and family have getting back to work or, or potentially losing their job, potentially layoffs becoming permanent. Uh, this is yeah. the time to give us a call so we can chat about it. And I'll just start off the hour with a few situations uh, that I thought were uh, very important for people to uh, be aware of. Um, so the first involved uh, a manager at a large company uh, who took a leave of absence about two and a half years ago from a company that he had been employed with uh, for about 10 years. And he had to take a medical leave of absence because of some fairly serious surgery and was a long road to recovery. So he went on disability benefits. He focused on his recovery. And last January, he wrote to the company and he said, my doctors cleared me to go back to work. And, and here's the doctor's note saying, I'm, I'm free to go back to work. When can I start? And the company's response was, oh, well, actually, we've determined that you were away for longer than two years. Your employment is now frustrated due to illness. So we're going to pay you your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, but that's all. Now, for our listeners who may not have heard about this concept before, frustration of employment due to illness is when an employee has been off work with an illness so long and it looks and, and the prognosis is so negative that it's effectively become impossible for that employee to return to work. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, if a doctor writes a note that, that you're never going to be able to go back to your job due to some injury you've sustained, that employment will be deemed over, frustrated, impossible to continue. That employer, though, is only going to be responsible to pay your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements uh, for severance. So that's essentially what this company was saying. 
But the problem was, uh, in this case, the employee had been sending regular updates every couple months about his recovery, and at no point did anyone suggest that he wasn't going to go back to work. So the company had just decided that after two years, it wasn't responsible to hold this person's job for him anymore. They decided that was just their policy. You know, this is a very common myth. A lot of employers believe that since most disability insurance policies cut off benefits after two years if they can't perform their current job, well, that's also when an employer can cut off that person's employment. Uh, which which is nonsense. So now, initially, this individual decided because this was this was back in January. Well, my employer says I can't go back to work, so I guess there's nothing I can do about it. Well, thankfully, he made his way onto the pocket employment lawyer recently and decided to call us. Uh, and as it turns out, he's owed another sixty thousand wow. dollars. So. Yeah, and, and not only is he owed compensation for severance, but the company has a human rights problem here because they failed to hold his position when he came off of a disability leave. And, and I really wanted to share this lesson because it is an important lesson for employees and employers. For employees, keep your employer updated when you're on a leave. Send them regular medical notes about your prognosis for a return. And for employers who have implemented this, this so-called two-year rule, please disabuse yourself of this myth. It's not helping you, and it's not helping anyone. Uh, all cases have to be assessed on an individual basis and really should be done with the help of an employment lawyer. It's uh, 10 minutes after 1. We'll take a quick short break here. Uh, Tom, Jim, fellas, we see you standing by. We're going to get your phone calls as soon as we come back and take care of other matters. Lots of time for you to call in as well. Get some answers. It is 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 114 on a uh, absolutely stunning Sunday afternoon. And the uh, number to call, yeah, 416 870 6400. 416 870 6400. Tom, uh, thanks, for, thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you uh, today? Hey, Tom. Tom's. Tom's, do we still got Tom? Or oh. No, Tom's there. No? Hopefully Tom calls oh, us back. I can see Tom's call. I can't hear Tom. Is it Tom? you gotta, you got to talk if you want to get your question answered, pal. We'll get to uh, to Jim instead. Jim there. Hey, Jim. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. What's up? Okay, so uh, I know you, may, you won't be able to help me, but I just want to bring to light a situation that's going on. I'm part of a union, and uh, here's what happened to myself. So about uh, two, two weeks ago, uh, our site was shut down for uh, COVID-19. So uh, somebody came on site on Friday, and then Monday I show up for work. They say, go home, site shut down for COVID-19. Nobody calls me, let me know we're supposed to return back to work on uh, Thursday. Friday, I get a phone call. Sorry, you're laid off due to shortage of work. Uh, this is in a union atmosphere, union setting in uh, in the construction industry, and uh, it's just a comment I want to make that uh, you know nothing you can do. The, the thing that the the employers put is shortage of work. That's their excuse, and they boot you out. It's it's pretty sickening. Yeah, it's 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 terrible, and and you know I actually see this happen to people in the unionized and unionized and non-unionized environment in the construction industry because uh, of course not not everyone in the construction industry is unionized, and there are uh, are trade-offs. Um, the unfortunate uh, part about your situation, Jim, is that your only your only recourse here is is to go to um, your union representative, and your rights are. are 
essentially, for the most part, limited to what's in the collective agreement, and it's really only your, only your union that can choose to fight into or to not to fight for this. So, uh, you know, as you, as you rightly pointed out at, at the beginning of your call, it's it's unfortunately not a situation where we as employment lawyers can can really interject here. But no, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of employers have been. Um, making cuts to their uh, workforce and basically using the pandemic as as cover and and you know we really need to be clear that this is not open season uh to simply uh remove your employees who you don't want there anymore and uh, deny them a severance package um and uh, a lot of employers are are, are treating the situation like that and, and it's unfortunate yeah and the other thing i'd like to point out is um i was uh, so right away um, on Monday, when they did uh, tell me not to go into work because of the COVID, uh, mm-hmm. I applied for the unemployment right away. Uh, COVID uh, took about a week to come in, but mm-hmm. I got the, uh, I think it was like $2,000 that mm-hmm. came in, and then stayed a week home, and then I found another job through, through uh, third party within the union. And then, so that portion that I received, I got to deduct some taxes off that and then return the rest to the union. So I put in a separate account. Because I know right. they're going to want their money back, and uh, just to let the listeners know about that. Well, well, good for you for landing so quickly. Uh, that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, not not everyone uh, uh, has, uh, has has been so so fortunate. So I'm glad to hear that uh, you're back on your feet. Jim, appreciate the call. You can uh, you can call through as well. You have time four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. And the reason why Tom didn't answer is because it's Tim. Hi, Tim. How are you? No, it's it's Tom. But I just got cut it off. is Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tom, okay. Tim, Tom, Mr. T, what's up? What's going on? How are you guys? Uh, Good. I'm wondering, uh, I'm calling on behalf of a friend of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. They called back to come into work next week. Uh, they were told that their hours would be reduced and that there would be no breaks. And then they said that eventually your hours would be going back to the way they were before. But then mm-hmm. the employer asked them, uh, the friend of mine, uh, are you on any government programs right now? And the employee told the, their employer that they're on CERB. So I'm just wondering, is this proper procedure? This this is very, very commonplace. And this is the one area that, in, in, in my view, is different because of the pandemic. So normally, if you're going into work and your employer is saying, well, we're going to cut your hours by, you know, 20% or so, uh, that would normally be a situation where you would want to say, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm going to think about treating this as a constructive dismissal. But the situation that you described of, of your friend, Tom, where they're saying the hours of work have been temporarily reduced, uh, and assuming that the, the pay will be reduced uh, accordingly, and the hours will go back up, and assuming again that the pay will go back up accordingly, um, that is probably not going to be a very... Um, workable case for constructive dismissal and I do think that in the current circumstances as long as those employers are implementing those changes in good faith and that's that's a really important point right they can't be doing it capriciously but if they're doing it in good faith they're doing it temporarily and they plan to place uh, uh, to increase hours back up once the for example once the state of emergency is over or, or, or very shortly thereafter I do think that's within an employer's discretion to do um, as far as um, CERB is concerned, that's really not between your friend and his employer, uh, or her employer, I'm not sure if you said who it was, but uh, it's really between the government um, and and this person. Oh, so, so they, they, sh- 
shouldn't have said nothing to the report. They shouldn't have said that they were on CERB or EIs. They shouldn't have said that. Or no, there's there's nothing wrong with that, but um, it's it's not. It doesn't really in this circumstance. It doesn't really affect the uh, the employer because any overpayment of CERB when we're talking about the context of someone going back to work is going to be dealt with as between the government um, and and the employee. Oh, and can I ask you also? So the CERB and the wage subsidy. So if mm-hmm. you're going to work now, how does that coexist together? Can they coexist together if you're collecting CERB and the wa- the wage subsidy? Like how does? Well, uh, it, well, no. I mean, if you're collecting CERB, then you have to be uh, below the threshold, right? So if you are earning more than a thousand dollars. Um, then you are not going to be uh, eligible uh, for service. Far as the um, wage subsidy, if I assume you're talking about the 75% wage subsidy, yeah. um, yes, that can. I mean, the, the actual the purpose of that is to work. Um, simultaneously with people returning to work. So what employers are often doing is they're saying, we'll bring you back to work, we'll pay 75% of your wage because that's what the government's given us, which, you know, the government has encouraged people to to top up their employees for the other uh, percentage, the other 25%, but uh, many employers are not doing that and they're not technically obligated to doing that. Um, although, in, in my view, if it's within their means, they, they probably should be. Um, but uh, that's that's perfectly in line with uh, with that program. Tim, appreciate the call. Got to let you go. We got to take a break here and uh, line up a few more. Uh, you want to bring it on four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. That is the number to call in. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, and we'll continue on here till just before two o'clock. Yeah, lots of time. Give us a call. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, welcome back. It is uh, 124 on Sunday afternoon, 416-870-6400. You have questions for John Pincus about uh, your employment, going back to work, severance, uh, temporary layoffs, COVID-19. Bring it all on. That's why we are here doing this show each and uh, every weekend. Lucille, how are you? Thanks for hanging on. Uh, yes, hi. How are you guys? Hi, hi John. Good. Good. Hi. What's on your question, mind? Uh, uh, my wife is, um, was uh, suspended uh from work from June, uh, from April 15 until now, uh, that just because they thought she had a COVID-19. So she was staying home for a month. Now, after a month, they tell her to, to still go because she had a, some, some, some kind of allergy, seasonal allergy. So then uh, now what uh, the employer now is asking a report from the doctor, report letter saying, Specifically, what uh, she had it. Uh, she was tested now for COVID nineteen. It was it came negative, but uh, now this allergy is still on. Do you think it's a requirement now for employers to get this report letter? Is it like uh, compulsory? Like everybody's asking for that, or is just uh, this employer specifically? So, Lucille, just so I understand correctly, what what the employer is asking from your wife here is for a report from the doctor as to the details of the nature of her allergies. Yes. Okay. They don't well, want. She has to. She's supposed to come back tomorrow. Like 
Tuesday because of the, the doctor's letters until due tomorrow. So Tuesday is supposed to go back to to work. But now the, she's mm-hmm. afraid like they're going to ask for more stuff because last mm-hmm. a week ago they told her, you're not okay, you got to get a letter. We got mm-hmm. a letter. Now again, there's keep asking us letters. Is there an excuse like to to take the the position or something? Do you think it's fair this thing? So For an employer is employers? entitled yeah, so so Lucille, an employer is entitled to medical information to the extent that they need it to keep a safe workplace or to accommodate the employee or to know how long that employee is going to be off. But employer, an employer is not entitled, um, just as a matter of fact, to just get anything they want out of that employee's medical file. So it, it is a little hard to understand why they're doing what they're doing here. And I think that your wife's only responsibility is to get a note from her doctor to say, um, look, she's tested negative for COVID-19, and I've determined that she does not pose a risk um, to herself or anyone else uh, by returning to the workplace. And if, and if she gets that note from her physician and the employer still doesn't allow her to go back to work, she should give us a call. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it, it may be the case where, um, you know, we, she needs someone to intervene. Uh, sure. But an employer is... Yeah, an employer is not entitled to just get whatever information they want. They are entitled to some medical information, but it's it's a need-to-know basis. It really is, right? It's just what they need to do to accommodate that employee to maintain a safe work env- uh, workplace. That's it. And it does sound like, based on what you're describing, that the employer may be overstepping here. So I'd start with getting that doctor's note, the you know the way that I described it, and just just get the doctor to cover off those points. See what happens when the when the employer receives that. If they still don't let her back to work, give us a call. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John. You're welcome. Thanks, Sale. Appreciate it. And here is that number. Keep it with you because you'll you'll be using it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can reach out anytime. Get a hold of John or Lior, member of the team at the firm. Email works too. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the other uh, way to go. Is that one of those situations where they're allowed? To, well, I mean, I guess it's it's COVID. Maybe they're bending the rules a bit, but you know they can ask for uh, you know prognosis, but not diagnosis. They're kind of sound like they're asking for diagnosis. Are they not? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it potentially goes a little bit beyond prognosis in the sense that I think that it's a legitimate and an ob you know, arguably a duty on the employer to make sure not just that this individual is in a position where they can return to work, but also that they're not going to put others at risk given that we have an infectious disease pandemic. So there are different questions that an employer can ask now that in, you know, pre-pandemic times, uh, they, they may not have been considered as appropriate. Right. But to just say, well, we need to know everything we need to know about your allergies, we need to, ha- or, or, you know, sanks or even more ridiculous, uh, to say, we need your whole medical file. An employer yeah. can't do that. An employer carte has, blanche, yeah. yeah, they don't have carte blanche. They're entitled to the information they need, uh, but no more than that. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break here, Get to, uh, give you some time to grab a phone, dial the number, and ask some questions just like uh, Tom and Lucille and everybody else. That's how you get some quick answers. Get down the road of understanding. And the quickest way to call here on air, 416-870-6400. Looking forward to more of your calls. Emails are help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get right back to it. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to it. It is one thirty-one Sunday afternoon. We have just before 2 o'clock to get your phone calls in here. You have questions about uh, your workplace or COVID-19 or coming back from a temporary layoff or if you're an employer and uh, you're dealing with people at work trying to do the wage top-up or you got to bring them back, you're not sure the uh, the correct steps and where to get started, call us 416-870-6400 is the, uh, the good way to do that. You want to send along an email. We'll try to get to some a little later in the hour. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as mentioned, I know John made reference to it as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There is an abundance of information for you to to glean from that website. Anything to do with severance and constructive dismissal and whether you're a a full-time employee or you're you're not, all that stuff. Even a section on disability law there as well. So pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the way to uh, to head over there. Absolutely free, anonymous. There is contact at the uh, top corner if you choose to carry on further. If not, just uh, disappear like Kaiser Soze. Nobody knows you were, uh, you were over there. Brian, how are you, pal? Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. What's up? Oh, good. Thank you for taking my call. I've been listening you to bet. you for a long time. Oh, anyway, thanks, man. I'm a mobile mechanic, and uh, I've worked for a company for 18 years. But anyway, uh, in about 27th of January, I hurt my back quite bad. And so anyway, went through a comp claim. It uh, wasn't a problem there. Um, they keep paying me. The benefits are covered, and they full wages for eight weeks. Once it hit eight weeks, you'd normally go back to the company. They'd find you something to do, like paperwork or whatever. But the way the uh, when CERB hit, or, or when the virus hit, um, you know, I was instead of going out there to do paperwork, I was doing a, a course on home on online because you would they would normally put you in a hotel for a week at a time. But anyway, I did it at home. But then when the the virus hit. Um, you're off compensation. They kept paying me anyway, but as soon as the virus hit, they laid everybody that was off, including me, and so then I've been getting the CERB. But mm-hmm. what my question is, I'm told I can't go back to work. Like I've had uh, x-rays, tests, everything else, and they tell me if I go back to doing what I was doing, the pain's going to be permanent. It'll never end. So I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, Mike, I'm 68 years old. I figured I was going to work another few years, like health-wise, that's my only problem. I'm in great shape, but you know when CERB ends, um, I was I was told I could possibly get unemployment for a year. But does right? Do so you're you're compensation come back in? Right. So you're you're not able to be because of your injury. You're not going to be able to go back to your job. Am I understanding that correctly? Like you and, right. and mobile mechanic work is just not going to happen again. Yeah, that's what I'm told. Yeah. Right now, are we talking about a large company or do you, do you, roughly how many employees are, are at this company? Uh, oh, six, seven hundred people. It's a huge trucking company. Okay. So, Brian, based on what you've told me, um, this, this actually is interesting because it's very similar. It's sort of the opposite side of the story I, I mentioned at the top of the hour. Um, this is a case, based on what you've described to me, that your employment would be frustrated. Now, normally, um, someone in your circumstances would be if you were if your employment was terminated, you would be owed um, eighteen months to twenty months pay. Um, yeah. But in your case, because your employment has been frustrated, they're only.
only going to owe you the minimum amount of um, termination and severance pay under the Employment Standards Act. But for you, because they're a large company, that's going to be about six months of your pay. So what I would, yeah. So what I would recommend that you do is get a note from your doctor with your doctor stating unequivocally that you are not going to be able to go back to work and have your doctor explain why it's due to your back injury, and submit that to your employer and say, you know, I'm not able to go back to work. Can you please, um, you know, issue me my termination and severance pay under the Employment Standards Act. If your employer uh, does not get back to you or refuses to pay it, I want you to give us a call uh, because this is a situation that I have dealt with a number of times where uh, the uh, employee just leaves uh, the employer uh, in the lurch and, yeah. um, uh, you know, we, we end up having to uh, intervene uh, to uh, to get the termination and severance pay uh, paid off. So um, do uh, reach out to your uh, employer, and, and if you have any issue, please give us a call. Oh, thank you very much. Well, like, they've been great to deal with, and they'd like me to come back, and I've had to send them a couple of letters for mm-hmm. something or whatever. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was just looking ahead and I've been listening to your show for, and I was been waiting all week to try to get a hold of you. So that is great to know. When, like, when this uh, CERB ends, could I possibly still go on an unemployment for a year under medical, or could I? You know, that's uh, that's an interesting question, one that I I can't say I have the answer to because I I don't know if Service Canada has really worked that out yet. I don't know if they've thought that far in the future or if we have sort of a definite end date of what's going to happen with CERB and what's going to happen in terms of uh, employment insurance thereafter. But what I can say is the government has indicated that severance and CERB can actually be received at the same time. So normally yeah. employment insurance would have to come out of severance, not the case for CERB. So we have that bit of good news, but in terms of what happens after, we don't know. Okay, because I'm laid off till the end of August, till August 31st. Mind you, it's great. My benefits and everything keep going on. So mm-hmm. I'd be wise to wait closer to the end and, and then well, you have, see what happens, play by year. Yeah, you have two years from the date that you sort of discover you're not going to be able to go back to work to to claim your entitlement. So you just have to keep that limitation period in mind. But uh, if this is a very recent thing and you want to wait until August, I I don't see an issue with that. But just don't wait too long. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much for the information. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you you. listening all this time and continue to tune in. You want to reach out further, you probably know that number, too. It's 1-855-821-5900. Let's, uh, before we break, bounce over to uh, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for for hanging on. How are you? Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Good, good. Uh, So my question is uh, for the test. So uh, I received the first first statement with the benefit, right, for the student to benefit. So they asked me to reapply, and for that, uh, they asked me for my taxes. So uh, in, the, in the beginning, I was in a student, so uh, they didn't ask for the task, the, the task. So now they're asking for the tax results. So is it going to be based on my taxes, the benefit that I'm going to be receiving? So are you talking about the Canada Emergency Student Benefit? Is that is that what you're referring yes. to? Right. So my understanding of that benefit is that it is um, a fixed amount of either $1,250 or $2,000 for each four-week period. Um, I haven't seen anything suggesting that that amount changes based on your taxable income, uh, similar to how CERB works, right? So 
I don't know if the CRA is potentially treating your situation differently, um, but there's nothing more I can really tell you outside of that because that's that's all the government has made public. Um, so I would, you know, if if the CRA is asking for your tax information, obviously, you know, you should um, cooperate with them to give them that. I don't know what effect it would have on the benefit, but based on uh, the way the government's ruled out, uh, it seems to me it shouldn't affect it. But you know, that's not to say the CRA has has rules they're not telling us about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Melissa. Appreciate you. Want to reach out any further? Uh, you can do so. No problem. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's take a quick pause, and uh, your time is now four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. You got a call for John? Bring it on. We are here till uh, close to two o'clock on the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is at 1.43 on a Sunday. It's gorgeous out there, man. If you're not out already, just wait about another 15, 20 minutes and you can go outside. But until then, 416-870-6400. Give us a call. You have questions about your job, employment, going back to work, COVID-19, or if you're an employer, call as well. John here to answer your calls for the remainder of the hour. 416-870-6400. In the meantime, biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. The first one we'll start off with, uh, might as well go large off the top, and that is signing a contract without speaking to a lawyer. Not good. Yeah, yeah, this is the big one, and we talk about it a lot, but we really can't discuss it enough. Um, You know, over the last few years, it's become very, very common for employers to insert terms into their contracts that seriously, seriously damage your legal rights. Uh, in some cases, it can be a, so extreme that you work for a company for 15, 20 years, all of a sudden you realize that they can let you go and pay you only eight weeks pay uh, instead of perhaps a year and a half of your pay, which you would otherwise be owed. You know, and this may not seem like something that's important right now, uh, but when you have um, developed that kind of security and um, you rely on a job and all of a sudden you haven't looked for a job in 20 years and they let you go this this is a big deal it can be absolutely devastating so you really have to watch out for these clauses uh, when you are um, thinking about accepting a new job with any employer big or small it doesn't doesn't matter who it is um, and you got to keep in mind for most uh, people that you know it's a contract that you're not you're not negotiating you you're not having right. any input so what are the chances that the employer is is putting things in there to protect you it's not to say that it never happens but typically it doesn't typically the terms in there are to protect uh, them and uh, there can be a lot of damaging things in there but the biggest one is termination without cause provisions that's what you got to watch out for Again, 416-870-6400. You have comments or questions about what we're talking about or anything uh, personally, you can bring them on here. Call for a friend or a, a colleague, family member. No problem. You can do that. Biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. And this one we throw under the uh, banner of uh, if it's not written down, it doesn't exist, and that's exactly it. You don't have records of important events or conversations. you got to have backup with that stuff. 
Yeah, you really do, and that that doesn't mean that you you necessarily walk around work with a with a recorder in your pocket. <laughs> but if if you just had an important meeting, um, and your manager, or your supervisor, or, or your boss, whoever that is, has made some important uh, has made some allegations against you, even if they don't seem that serious at the time, you know, put it in an email, contextualize it, talk about what was said, talk about how you've uh, res- you know how you're responding to that. If there's something you agree with, uh, you know. You can acknowledge the things you agree with. Talk about the things that you disagree with. That's really important. Um, and sometimes uh, an employer, you know, sometimes it's 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 something that seems very innocuous. So an employer will uh, fire someone on a medical leave, and they'll do it verbally and tell them not to come back. And then we get in the picture and uh, try to negotiate severance for you, and the employer tries to play dumb and says, well, well, hang on a second. We just thought this person was on a medical leave, or, you know, we thought this person quit. Uh, and if there's not a written record, it becomes very, very messy, which can, can play right into the hands of the employer. So don't make that mistake. Put things in writing. Email is always uh, the best way to do these things. 416-870-6400. Have questions. Bring them on for the remainder of the hour. Uh, hour. Aaron, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's on your mind? So I had a question. Uh, if I am part of a union, uh, can I be fired for speaking about my employer and their unethical practices? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing if, is if you're part of a union, then this is definitely a question you want to discuss with your union representative. But it's it's certainly, I mean, if you're asking about um, questionable practices, I, I guess my first question would be what, what kind of practice? Are we talking about unsafe practices? Are we talking about practices contrary to the Employment Standards Act? I see. So it, it it depends on the nature of the so so for example if we're you know and you don't have to share the details of it but if you know if we're talking about um, an employer that's uh, violating the Employment Standards Act violating the minimum wage provisions or the leave provisions or the break provisions there are anti reprisal provisions in there uh, and that is something you should be speaking with a union representative about and the same thing with the Occupational Health and Safety Act um, if it's sort of you know questionable business practices you know that might be uh, a bit of a gray area. Uh, but remember also that typically, you know, subject to the terms of the collective uh, bargaining agreement, an employer does have the um, right, again, for unionized employees, it's not an unfettered right, but they can terminate employees without cause, without a reason. Um, so it's it's going to depend on the nature of uh, your concern, but uh, your union is there to be your advocate, so that's who I would start uh, by discussing it with. And that's where he's got to go. He can't go outside the union for this type of uh, this type of procedure, right? They're mm-hmm. bound by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, yes, with few exceptions. Uh, biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. We're getting back to this uh, train of thought here, and failing to keep track and submit their overtime. That's got to be more common than I would imagine. People assume the boss will take care of it, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a, a major issue where people come to me and they say, you know, oh, I have this outstanding overtime, um, and I say, okay, well, when do you have the overtime? You know, how much did you incur every month? They said, oh, you know, I was always working fifty, sixty hours a week, and I tell them, you know, there's not much we can do about that. I mean, we can try, but it's going to be very, very difficult to prove that you work those hours. On the other hand, sometimes I have people who have meticulous records every month of how much overtime they worked, uh, and those are viable claims. Uh, and you know, the other thing. 
that employers need to remember here, uh, which they, they often forget while we're on this topic, um, is that employers sometimes feel, well, I didn't approve the overtime, so I don't have to pay it. And that's not how it works. If, if you're an employer and you didn't, improve, you didn't approve overtime, you may be able to discipline that employee for working overtime uh, without your authority, uh, but you have to pay them for their work. If they're working for you, you owe them that payment in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. So it really is important to, uh, to keep track of your overtime uh, because unless you're a manager or someone who falls into one of those exemptions, um, you're going to be entitled to it. We'll take a, a short break, John, give you a chance to uh, catch your breath and you as well to grab a phone if you have any questions as we carry on here. you got about uh, a little under 10 minutes, so you got some time. 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 152. Welcome back. Indeed, got a few minutes to go here. If you're going to do it, do it now. 416-870-6400, the number to call through and ask John a question. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And even when we're not on the air here several times during the week, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I also wanted to mention, if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, the website, you will catch past radio shows. You can listen back and uh, links to our TV show on Global TV and CTV as well. So you can check that out again, employmentlawyer.ca. Dot .ca in the meantime biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights wait too long to do something about changes to the terms of employment you're going to see a lot of this as people come back possibly in a different workplace to what they left 3 or 4 months ago right that's right, John. This is going to be yeah. a very important uh, discussion uh, with a lot of employees, I, I expect, uh, over the next uh, coming months and heading into the fall, uh, because it's one thing for employers to be implementing temporary changes, temporary reductions in, in uh, pay, temporary reductions in hours, and that's something that you know the vast majority of employers, large and small, are doing right now. Um, but if those changes become permanent, uh, or if people are coming back to their jobs and they're finding they're being demoted, they're at a lower pay, they're at less days, and that is not a temporary change, and they're saying, no, this is the job we have for you, those people are going to have to make a choice. Do you want to treat this as a termination and look for a job elsewhere, or do you want to accept it? And if the answer is the former, if you want to treat it as a termination, you can't wait. You can't go to work for three, four months, five, six months, and then decide, you know what, actually, I probably shouldn't have done that. So uh, I'm going to treat it as a termination now because the employer is going to say, no, you've accepted those changes. This is your job now. And the law may agree with your employer. So you really have to be careful about that to make that decision uh, at the start, um, ideally within uh, at most the first, uh, you know, the first couple weeks. I wouldn't wait longer than that. Here's another mistake that you'll get will compromise those legal rights. And again, a lot of this happening, and that is allowing employers to lay them off temporarily. Right. So this is something that's happening right now where a lot of people are on a temporary layoff. And uh, if you do not want your employer to be able to do that going forward, uh, because, you know, we, we may be into this for a second, third wave, and, and there may be more layoffs coming. But if you want to uh, basically say, no, this is not something I'm willing to accept, then you should ideally say something the first time and make it clear that you're not agreeing that as a term of your employment. So if you've been temporarily laid off, uh, the time to call an employment lawyer is, is right now. 
We'll get to this one as well. Uh, sometimes you don't stay in touch with their employer when they're on a medical leave. You got you to check in, man. Yeah, this is actually a great uh, point uh, relating back to the first example. You know, that, that gentleman I described in the first example, he did this. He, he actually, uh, he did not contravene this rule. He was in touch with his, with his employer, and it was a very important, good thing that he did, an important thing that he did, because now the employer can't say that they weren't kept in the loop. Uh, if you leave your employer out of the loop, they may say, well, you know, you, we didn't know how you were doing. We thought there was no prospect of recovery. Doesn't mean you shouldn't call a lawyer still if, the, if you're in a, in a situation like that but definitely if you're on a medical leave it never hurts to every you know every few weeks at least every you know one or two months provide your employer with an update about your prognosis and, and what your return to work is looking like and we've got a couple minutes left that's it so we'll get to this final one before we wrap and that is another mistake individuals make that compromise their legal rights quit because they feel they have no other choice yeah, I mean, it's one thing to resign because you have another opportunity or because you're, you just don't like the job anymore. But if you feel like you're being pushed out, you're you're experiencing really severe harassment or you're being demoted, then give us a call. Talk to us. Uh, maybe you don't need to quit. Uh, maybe we can work through these issues. And if you do need to leave, then maybe you might be entitled to compensation. So give us a call. Let's talk it through before you make any uh, decisions that you can't take back later. And we'll wrap it for there. Good job, my friend. Thank you for all your phone calls as well and taking the time to call in on this uh, lovely Sunday afternoon. We'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of it. And uh, you want to reach out now to John or Lior, member of the team? No problem. It is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can go to help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address, or simply employmentlawyer.ca, the website. And any time it's built for you, 24-7, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.